Hello, welcome to the Big Self Podcast, wherever you are and however you may be listening, we are honored to have you with us. I'm Chad Prevost. I'm Shelley Prevost. And we, as usual, are your hosts for this episode. This feels very somber. Really? Yeah. Maybe it's the inner critic that is calmly evaluating in the background, making me... No, uh, all is quite well, you know? But I would say that on this topic of the inner voice, you know, for a lot of us, we do have a generally loving and encouraging inner voice. Maybe not enthusiastic, but one that's like, if, if it's healthy, it's in your corner, calmly evaluating... You know, um, but I would say, in fact, I would say a good internal dialogue should, should function much like a reasonable judge. Or I like the, I like to think of like Lester Bangs, you know, that famous rock critic from the seventies and on, uh, and an almost famous. Is that Philip Seymour Hoffman character? Wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yes, it was. Okay. You know, when he tells, Lester Bang tells his young protege, William Miller, he says, I know you think those guys are your friends. You want to be a true friend to them? Be honest and unmerciful. I really love that movie. You do love that movie. That's a good one. No, it's a good movie. So in other words... Sometimes you need a really good truth teller, right. even if it's not what you want to hear. But with with that said, there is a reason that we universally struggle with self talk, and why it's risen to the level of being a big self topic and episode unto itself. Because struggle it implies conflict. And conflict with the self is what we call inner conflict. But the problem is twofold. Not only is it hard to do something about the way our inner critic talks to us, but a great deal of the time, and here's the catch, we're not even aware we're doing it. Why? Why do you think that is? Well, because because it's our default state, right? So we're used we're used to the way that we talk to ourselves. And we if you really listen to the way that you talk to yourself, we would never talk to our friends or family the way that we sometimes talk to ourselves. Why do we do that? I, yeah, I think it's it's Partly because the inner critic is fueled by the simultaneous belief, so these dueling beliefs that we're either better than other people or we're less than others. Mm -hmm. So it's an inflating and a deflating, and maybe maybe a little bit of both. Uh, but both feelings, they're energized by this harshness and this contempt. And I think that the feeling that we're not good enough, uh, especially, you know, for me, and I think for a lot of people in our careers, professionally, like that can be really painful. I, because I think it's because you're surrounded by many of your peers at work and there and there's this expectation you're getting paid. So after all, you better be competent. Mm -hmm. And a lot. Yeah. A lot of the comparatitis mm -hmm. is what I call it. 
and while you know feeling superior, I guess to others can on some level it can feel good. It really does lead to damaging loss of loyalty to people and relationships in general. And it, it really also, it limits our ability to learn and grow. And so I think we right. have to be aware of how that inner monologue impacts the people around us. And, and I would say it, it also skews our ability to make sound decisions. And, you know, it puts, mm-hmm. it, it puts yeah. the people we work with on guard. Uh, it, you know, it can erode engagement, it, trust, the ability yeah. to be honest with each other. Yeah, and it re- it's it's like we project out onto others th- those deficits that we're talking to ourselves about. And so that's really what we're talking about. But other than that, it's no big deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, seriously, the consequences of not being aware of or tuning into what our inner critic is telling us can hurt us and hold us back. And many of the most important areas of our lives. So that's part of the deal. Mm. If it's underwater, so to speak, yeah, then it really is the one in control. So our desire for this episode is for you to bring that little voice, or maybe it's not such a little voice, But we want you to bring it more to the surface of your awareness. So, you know, to your point, how can it mess with our relationships? That's not something I would regularly necessarily think about. So actually, could you explain that idea about it hurting our relationships a little bit more. Yeah. So the inner critic, it can, it can mess up relationships because it prevents us from seeking out healthy relationships. Right. Okay. If we don't really think we're worthy of them. So if we, if we listen to that deficit talk, then we don't even forge those relationships or go after them or build them. Um, or it can cause us to criticize others the same way we criticize ourselves. And yeah. that, of course, doesn't feel good. Um, so it creates a lot of alienation. And all in all, I would say it can actually lead to just generally living in a more inhibited, kind of anxious, fear-filled way, you know? Right, right. In, in a lot of different ways. I could totally actually see that now and that's part of what i think is under the under the water is that that feeling of how we feel about ourselves what we believe about ourselves that's some of the work that could be done that's worthy of 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 coaching Mm -hmm. so i want to begin this episode by telling a brief story why because stories are great they can help illustrate an idea An old Cherokee once told his grandson, My son, there is a battle between two wolves inside us all. One is evil. It is anger, jealousy, greed, resentment, inferiority, lies, and ego. This was a very enlightened Cherokee. He was using the language of ego. The other is good It is joy, peace, love, hope, humility, kindness, empathy, and truth. Grandfather, which wolf wins? The boy asked. 
the one you feed, the old man answered. That's it. That's my story. That's good. Good story. (laughs) Because, you know, in order to feed the wolf, that brings about integration with the true self. We must learn this idea of listening to ourselves to and to isolate the helpful inner voices that we began with. If you have a healthy one from the unhealthy ones that may bite at us, may mm-hmm. nag at us. And of course, like so many processes, Shelley, it's easier said than done. We get that. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of Carl Jung too, who he talks about, um, you know, the way that we, you know, we judge in others mm. what we judge most harshly in ourselves. And because oftentimes those those inner criticisms are pushed away or they're, you know, under the water, as you're saying. They're not in consciousness. They're in the shadow and they have power in the shadows. And so those things that we aren't even aware of, we're judging in ourselves become these projections, become these criticisms in other people. So if you really want to look at your inner critic, look at what you say about other people, you know, yeah, and, where, so true. and it'll point you to where you need to be a little bit more gentler, a little bit more aware with your, with yourself. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting in doing some research for this very episode, I came across a lot of ideas about, you know, dealing with talking to your inner critic, especially from, it's interesting, creatives, Hmm. artists and writers. There's just a ton of great material on how to listen to what you're saying, that, that more gentle, that more compassionate and intuitive voice that you know wh- that you need to call up when you're going to create rather you know and cuz tuning in there's a time and a place to tune into the coldly rational and analytical one when it comes to maybe later when you want to evaluate the creation itself whatever standards you're going to be evaluating it by mm-hmm. um You know, some suggest imagining the critical voices that crop up each time you approach your work and and put the voices in a jar. Hmm. I've heard this like, just take that, take that loud voice, imagine putting it in a jar, screwing the lid on the jar and throwing the jar away. Hmm. You know, and I I would say that techniques like that, they, they prove helpful, at least temporarily. Yeah. Uh, overall, though, you, you have to be your own friend. You have to be on your own side. Yeah. You have, to, you have to show love. You have to show compassion for yourself. You know, be on your own side. I mean, that's really the bottom line. It reminds me of uh, Anne Lamott quote in Bird by Bird. She says, you get your confidence and intuition back by trusting yourself, by being militantly on your own side. Oh, yes. I love that. Yeah. Yes. Anne Lamott. She has a lot of great things. And there, she's a writer. You know, so yeah. I would say for some of us, we, you know, we wake up one day and realize we more or less have this good wolf inside us. And it's not so hard to go on feeding it exercising, rubbing its belly, Hmm. letting it sit beside us on the couch as we binge watch a Netflix series, 
munching our jalapeno Cheetos. Like think, no judgment. I think that's why my morning routine is so important to me. Like just because I, I hadn't thought of this, but it's feeding the good wolf. It's feeding, it's intentional time. And it's because most of the day is spent, you know, doing, doing stuff where that default is often listening to the inner critic. So the fact that yeah. in the mornings I feed that inner good wolf is, um, okay. is good. Yeah. I, like, I think most of us probably do have that inner critic that we don't realize is the inner critic. Um, and for some of us, that inner critic is, it's becoming the big bad wolf, right? Like it's becoming <laughs> this scarier kind of uh, all-consuming voice. It's dominant. Um, to use your story, it wants all the food. The experiences that ha- that have led you to this moment have brought voices that really are keeping you from integrating your true self. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but with all of that said, still, you know, for many others, there just might not be clarity. Yeah. Or or awareness of one wolf or another. This this does not compute. So what we're going to do here, I w- I'm not going to say it was play a little game. We're going to do a little coaching here. And the coaching idea is going to be what does your own voice sound like? Mm-hmm. You know how our voice, sometimes it can, it sounds a little strange. Like when we hear it back on a recording and that's the audible voice, right? So it can be quite disorienting to really hear your own internal monologue. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start with this. The good news is, I mean, let's bring a little optimism in here, right? Whatever the extent of the inherent self-love or self-critic of your inner voice, you are more adaptive than you probably realize. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you are whatever is going on. You are adaptive. This is a voice that needs you need to be tuning into so because listening to the voice that brings you strength that brings you wholeness it can be developed and learned and you can learn to tame the bad wolf the big bad wolf and and nourish and grow the good one I, yeah, and I want to. Um, I'm going to walk you all through a little thought exercise. Um, and while we do this, you know, the way that I think about this is that we all have these sub personalities, and so you have this kind of internal board of directors, if you will, that you know takes up shop in your head, in your mind, in your thoughts. And one of them is the inner critic. One of them is the judge. Is the kind of the judge and the jury, and their job. The role of this board member is to um, is to critique, you know, and there's an element of that that's really functional that can be really helpful. Um, I think what we're suggesting, though, what we're explicitly saying, I guess, is that for many of us, that board member becomes way too powerful and loud um, and goes from critiquing or suggesting or teaching even into like creating just contempt like it goes a lot and and is shaming you know and that's where it's not helpful um so what 
you know, there's also another board member. I call the inner teacher. I, I believe that the inner teacher is a little bit more wise, a little bit more centered, a little bit more judicious and can tell the, you know, the, the inner critic board member, Hey, whoa, 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 hold, hold up. Like that's not the whole story. Um, there's other things going on here. And so I think it's a way to neutralize the inner critic when you can start to pay attention to and focus on that inner teacher. Um, so here's, here's an approach I want you to think about in order to really assess the sound of your, of your inner voices or sub personalities. Um, if you want to think of them that way, you have to really consciously tune into them. Like you have to think like what voice is activated right now and what is it saying to me? So if you think of your mind as a radio receiver, right? You're listening in a calm state of mind, in a quiet moment. Hopefully you can do that now. You can just kind of let yourself um, focus on what I'm going to be saying. And I want you to ask yourself, as I read these statements to you, what is the inner voice saying and who is saying it? Like really try to identify, is it, is it more of the inner critic? Is it more of the inner teacher? Are there other voices that might be communicating something around the statement? So as I read these, I want you to focus on that. Who are these voices? What are they saying? I feel lazy. I have a breakthrough and I want to achieve something. I am stuck. Someone else succeeds at something I want to be good at. I'm thinking about taking a risk and pursuing a dream. I think of the partner I want to be in a long-term relationship with. So as we say those, as I say those, what does your inner voice sound like? Is it kind? Is it fair? Is it sensible? Is it easygoing? Or is it harsh? Is it impossible to please? I think um, women in particular, when we're in front of a mirror, what, what are the thoughts? What are the voices? What are the critiques? What, what is said in your mind? Uh, again, not out loud, but in your mind as you look in a mirror. Though that is the, usually the voice of the inner critic. Um, and I will go, on, go a step further because I would want you to name it. I would want you to give it a persona. Um, mine is my inner bitch. <laughs> and really try to understand what it's saying there's protective value in it. It is trying to protect you, but it, it does it in a way that ultimately sabotages us, right? But, but these voices, the inner critic will resemble a voice usually from our childhood. We, will, we internalize um, the, the words, the tone, the vernacular, the, the, the feelings, all of that is coming from somewhere. So I think as you get to identify the voice, Really try to give it a name. Try to personify it. Then what's really cool 
um, and the work we do with folks is you can start talking back to it. You can kind of begin to become your own kind of sensible um, counterbalance to that voice and speaking back to it um, in a way that's just a little bit more, yeah, realistic. It's a little bit more truthful. Um, it's a little bit more reasonable and sensible and not just believing the inner critic um, and all that it says. And there are, you know, are vir- virtually, thanks for leading us through that. That was, um, I think, help, really helpful in the idea of... Can I... personifying like the voice. I want to give an example. Well, okay. And we are getting to our framework in which all of these ideas will be able to be applied. Yeah. Well, let me just give an example of understanding kind of these opposing voices almost. So I, um, I typically work out a few days a week, um, and have done that for many years. There was a couple months this summer that I could not get go to the gym. I had I was really sick. Um, we were traveling. I had surgery. Like it was a succession of events that just basically meant I didn't get to the gym for at least like two months. So as I got back into my workout, I was on the bike, um, you know, doing my thing, and I was so like I felt lethargic. I and I realized that the inside me the thoughts around where you are so out of shape um you look at your your thighs are just like flabby um all the work you've done for all these years you've just completely like left that by the way so like all these negative thoughts and then I was I caught myself I was like there she is. There's the inner bitch. Like she is letting me have it. (laughs) And I, um, immediately I was like, okay, what's the truth here? What is the more kind of wise way to think about this a little bit more compassionate? And I did, I could kind of flip the switch. Um, and it was work because I didn't really believe the other voice because I was like, yeah, they are kind of flabby. Um, but I was like, you know what, what I can say to myself is, you're back in here. You are going for it. At a girl, like just stay, stick with it. No, you're not where you want to be, but you're back in here. You love this. It feels good. So all the things that I knew were a little bit more true, I had to do some work to cult, like to get to a little bit. But I immediately, my energy shifted. I sat up in the bike. Like, you know, all the, like I was like, yes, this yeah. is truth. Like it's not me just being a lazy you know, piece of crap that I didn't come here for two months. I had, there were reasons. And so yeah. now I'm back at it. So I think, uh, and here I am teaching this stuff to people and I like sure got totally defaulted into that critical way of thinking about now, sometimes the reasons that we become experts on some of these topics is that we have experienced them yes <laughs> and, yes and are seeking to get understanding ourselves um, so what all some of what you just said is making me think, okay, so there is maybe a functional side of this inner critic. Um, so there is a lot of, hey, we don't want to feed this big bad wolf. We want to listen to this voice of wisdom and hopefully reason. So here's a hard question. Is the inner critic 
sometimes right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, what do you, what do you think? How does, let's, let's say this, let me reframe the, the, the question a little bit. How, how does the inner critic work for us when it comes to our functional personality? Yeah. Um, yes, of course it's right. A lot, not all the time, but a lot, a lot of the times, or it wouldn't have power. Okay. Right. It wouldn't, um, if the inner critic is telling me I'm green, like that's so far from truth and has no value to me that it doesn't matter. So it, it picks the things that have value to us and a little bit of truth to help us. It's the goal is to help us course correct, right? To help mm-hmm. us stay. Um, it's all very evolutionary inspired. Um, it's helping us belong. It's helping us survive. It's helping us stay attached and connected. Um, but it, but what happens is it, it over indexes on the negative thinking that that's helpful when really what we know, um, and if, and for some people I've heard them, they can get the inner critic quote, inner critic into more of a self-compassion state. Um, so it's not as, uh, it doesn't beat them up as much. It's actually more of a, of an inner teacher. Oh. And, and that's where it really can become helpful yeah. is when we takes the truth or the ways that it does try to help us and we can inject some compassion, some self-compassion, which I think is what the inner teacher really does do. Then um, it can become quite helpful for people. Okay, yeah, so there is, what I'm hearing is a balancing between self-criticism and self-compassion when it comes to Big Bad Wolf or Good Wolf, as we've been using as our sort of illustration. And, you know, and by the way, if you haven't heard of the researcher Kristen Neff, we've referred to her from time to time. She's a leading researcher doing some just fantastic work we need to have her on the, the podcast She on self-compassion. And I know a lot of us get tired of hearing the topic of self-compassion. We think that it means something weak or that we have permission to not be as badass and tough and amazing as we can as we can be, but it's actually not. Okay. And you don't have to take our word for it. Maybe just all of the research that people like Kristen Neff do could help persuade you if you need like this kind of empirical, uh, evidence-based ideas based on self-compassion. It actually makes people healthier, happier, more creative and satisfied in, in their lives. So I think that's super important. Uh, Shelly, do you want to tell us just, well, what's a little, like, what do we mean when we even bring up the word about this this self-compassion? Let's just, let's not overthink it. So self-compassion is treating yourself with the same kindness and the same care that you would give to a good friend or someone you love. I do love that. Yes. It's just, it's just that simple. Um, and so again, it's not self-compassion isn't devoid of self-critique, right? So sometimes I give you feedback that I tell you the truth. I tell our children, you know, people I love who I speak, I still speak truth to, but doing it in a kind, caring, I got your back 
I'm on team Chad kind of way <laughs> yeah. is, is really the key. So it's, it's giving ourselves the self-feedback loop in a compassionate way versus a way that fuels contempt for ourselves. Okay. I love That's that. The difference. I love that. And now if we're going to get to the root of now, now, some of the things I feel like it's a little bit of a bandaid talking about approaching the inner critic. So for some of us, like if, if that big bad wolf is big, it's not just like listening to a podcast episode on the inner critic. I mean, this is a process that could take a really long time. Yeah. And so I, overall, it would be going way back. This is an area where like therapy, I think could help not just coaching right? where you have maybe a wound, like where you, you have to go back to that little kid, the little, yeah. the little Shelly, like Shelly, like, you know, maybe you'd have to trace back, like where did the inner bitch voice materialize from? So, yeah, I mean, that's cause that's where a lot of the, the root of the suffering can happen. Well, right? and yeah, the inner critic, um, evolves, it's develops out of a trauma response. And so what happens in our childhoods, just from being human, you know, it mm-hmm. could be little t's, um, traumas. It's, it's a function of our, of our mind, of our personality, of our functioning, uh, self in the world that we develop as a response to some trauma that we are not worthy, we're unlovable, we're not enough, we're not safe, This it's not okay who I am. And so that the inner critic begins to protect those wounds. So it's like a good offense becomes the best defense. Hmm. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that you are okay. And so that then becomes kind of the functional part of what the, the inner critic does. And then we take that into adulthood and it, for many of us, it can kind of run amok simply because we don't, we don't get conscious about it. We don't see like, oh, that's not me. That's just my inner critic. Uh, that's just, the, you know, the inner bitch or Big Bertha or Sally or whatever <laughs> you name it. That's just her trying to make me okay. And you know what? I can tell her like, I'm okay. <laughs> um, and this is a lot of internal family systems work mm. um, that when you begin to really dissect all these voices and then learn the skills of talking back to them, man, that's, yeah. um, that's good stuff. It is good stuff. It's and empowering. It is. And to your point, some of the research we're talking about besides Kristen Neff, also Brendan Burchard, uh, talk, we can put some of these links in our show notes. He actually says you can, speaking of the radio station, you can almost like switch which station you want to listen to. And he says that like when he observes himself, like talking to himself in a certain way. So you have to raise the level. You have to like actually become a little bit aware of when the voice is operating, but when it's not underwater and when it's, you're like, okay, whoa, I'm listening to the voice happening. He says that, and this is what research is saying is if you, talk to yourself. I know it might sound a little weird, but it's a technique of saying it out loud. First of all, saying like, well, identifying the negative inner critic voice and how that sounds 
out loud, but actually say, then switching the channel and saying the positive things to yourself out loud. So speaking of techniques, mm -hmm. that technique when applied in this conscious way can really work for yourself. You know, while we're, we're talking about techniques and before we even get to our, our simple framework for yeah, this episode. That's much like my um, being on the bike at the gym. That's exactly what happened. It was a uh -huh. shift, like a, a real conscious shift. I've also heard people writing it down, like really, and I've even encouraged clients before to take on the persona of the inner teacher. Um, so when you're struggling nice. with really understanding the truth about something, like step into that voice, write it out, like literally inner teacher, colon, and then write out what it wants to say, what it wants to remind you of, um, how it sees things that may be a little bit different than the inner critic. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some really, just to write down. I've also heard, this is really fun. I, I've not done it, but people that will get positive feedback from others, um, keeping it in a Google doc and it might, uh, hmm. some, someone even labeled it like, when I'm having a bad day <laughs> that yeah. was the, and then when the inner critic is really kind of activated going in and reading those things that people have said or think about you that maybe you're just not focused on in the moment. Wow. That's a good one. I think I'm going to use that actually, because, you know, I hate asking for like testimonials or like endorsements, like blurbs for a book, because I just, ah, I don't know what it is, but I, there's something that's like, it's hard to ask for that kind of support, but then, you know, you, then you get the testimonials or some, and you just look at them and you're it just feel glowing. And that is, that does feel yeah, it, tremendous. Yeah. So uh, that's a, a useful one that I may want to apply. Also, you know, with the writing to yourself or th it's like, and you, you ha hear that voice in the second person you are. So you are the, well, and you want to change the channel and you want to make it positive. You are, well, what about making it in the first person? Like say, I, I am. Hmm a sensitive kind person or so I am smart and well organized or whatever mm -hmm. the positive affirmations you want to say, turn it from that second person into the first. Mm -hmm. So for this episode, we have a very simple framework, but it sometimes the simplest is the most effective. And so, and I've been using this with some clients. They've been loving it. They've been, actively practicing it. And so do I from time to time. It is the ABCDE method. And so here is ABCDE. The ABC is basically the, the part of like developing the self-observation. What is the, first of all, you have to listen to the voice and what is it? Say? So acknowledge you can even think of it as awareness, but you're acknowledging your awareness of the voice inside your head, acknowledging and listening to the activating, whoa, suddenly I'm feeling this way. What is the voice saying? So there is an activating response that you have to listen to and acknowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, what lies 
Is it, is it containing? Because a lot of times these overly harsh voices aren't giving us good feedback. It's over the top. It's too much. We wouldn't, there's a reason we wouldn't say, talk this way to anybody else in our lives. So noticing the activating response. And then, then you, you, what are you believe? The B is belief. What are the beliefs that you've associated with the voice that's speaking to you? C is what are the consequences that are that are going to be the fallout of the activating event that you've acknowledged, the beliefs that you are putting around the activating event, and then C, the consequences. Mm-hmm. So that is a part of the self ABC, ABC. And now here's the D and the E. The D Shelly's been talking about it in this episode already. This helps you remember it with our framework. Dispute it. Dispute it. Talk back to your inner critic. Stick up for yourself. So D, it's, it works well. Actually, Shelly's talked a little bit about maybe you could almost befriend it or have like a board meeting talk with it. Sort of like, let's say, wise voice in the boardroom is saying, well, okay, oh, okay, thank you, inner critic. I I know you're what you're here for. Yeah, we got it. But, you know, I, but I'm going to be all right. Cool your jets. Thank, thanks for, that's right. So that's the dispute. You can dispute it in different ways. It doesn't have to be a big confrontation, but it can just be a, hey, I'm sticking up for myself here. And then E is the energizing, the energy that you feel when you stick up for yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's our A, B, C, D, E method. It can work for a number of things in which you want to be developing a little bit more awareness of. But then, And then it's like, okay, whoa, heard you. Aware of you. Don't want to keep repeating the same exact consequence. Tired of it. Breaking the loop. I'm disputing. And now I'm going to feel the good energy that comes along with sticking up for myself. Mm -hmm. A little bit of this process too is um, once you become aware of the inner critic, can you upgrade its job responsibilities, upgrade its role? I like that. Whereas for, you know, if, if it has functioned as a, a criticism for you in order to keep you safe. um, I tell people all the time, the things that keep us safe, keep us stuck. And so can you have this conversation with the inner critic that, okay, what you're doing, what you're saying is not helpful. This is not working for me. So I'm going to upgrade your job, your roles and responsibilities. So here's what I really do. And and I do this around my writing. Yeah. So the inner critic I see wants to keep me from writing because of all the perfectionism and like all the ways that it functions. And so for me to be able to negotiate with the inner critic that I see that you're trying to protect me from ridicule, but I am going to write. And so therefore I need you to help me be the best writer I can be. That's awesome. So it doesn't Uh, completely eliminate the role, but it upgrades it. And I think there's, there's something to be said for that. Okay. I like that so much. And, you know, I'm going to just add one last little part about why be 
a little bit more at least compassionate with yourself is it is if you are then you can be a little bit more curious about yeah. listening to the inner critic because if you aren't curious and if you just feel incredible judgment from your inner critic, you're going to have anxiety and avoidance around it. You're not going to be curious about listening to what it can offer you. If again, you're listening to your inner critic with a little bit of compassion, a little bit of, Hey, you're, you're neutralizing it. Mm -hmm. You're neutralizing it to the extent to which you can remain curious. As uh, VS Nepal famous writer said the only lies for which we are truly punished are those we tell ourselves <laughs> so be able to neutralize those lies we hope you've enjoyed this episode we have loved being with you um, talking about something that we both you know we deal with on a daily basis I would say and I think most of us do so take this information, go through your day, be aware of the inner critic, and hopefully these tools can help you neutralize it. May you always be blessed with walls for the winds, a roof for the rain, tea beside the fire, laughter to cheer you, those you love near you, and all that your heart might desire. Bye for now.